The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, last week, last week we we uh, jumped right back into our story of Acts chapter two. You know, uh, and so we're going to go back there again. We're going to finish Acts. Well, not finish. We're going to hit the, the the middle section of Acts chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles, crack them open to Acts chapter two. You know, I've heard uh, just the Christian life talked about in three kind of bullet points um, that really kind of fit well um, together. And it, that is, that is we've got, as followers, you've got to believe, uh, we've got to behave, and we've got to belong, right? The three Bs. It preaches really, really nice, doesn't it? Believe, behave, and belong. And, 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 I, and I think there's some, some really good points in there. We've got to believe it's about the understanding and uh, of acknowledging God and behave like there's this, this life transformation thing that takes place and the belong. This is the kind of fun part where we belong into the community. But I think one of the, one of the, the problems with um, like stripping it down to three really clean points is that we strip, uh, we strip some of the life of, of being a follower of Jesus. We, we, we miss some things. We, we, we miss some things, kind of like the, the mystery and the adventure of life in the Spirit. Where does that fit in believe, behave, and belong? Because maybe, maybe that's been kind of the story of your Christian faith. Like, I'm just knocking down these three things, da, 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 and I've got this Christian life down. But let me tell you what. Anybody ever notice that the life according to the Spirit of God or the life walking with Jesus and, and trying to live by his Spirit is sometimes not as clean as believe, behave, and belong? Have you ever noticed that? So what does that look like? What happens when I'm just like, okay, I've got those three and I can, I can do those, but, but God, I want, I want, I believe, God, that you're going to lead me today in this moment. I want to go on this adventure with, with what God, and I don't, I don't want to like make something up, but God, I want all that you have for me. I believe there's more than the routine of the Christian life. Um, actually, that brings me to one other thing here. House churches, we're going to talk a little bit about just this routine and, and adding to the faith that which, which God is leading us into. So make sure you're, you're at your house church this weekend, if at all possible. Let me just remind everyone, this is the first Sunday of the month. House churches meet on the first Sunday of the month. This week's a little different. Some of our house churches are meeting next week. So this is a little announcement after I forgot it. Um, make sure you reach out to your, your, your house church leader to find out if you're re- meeting this week or next week. If you have not heard from your house church leader, text them and say, how come I haven't heard from you? Maybe it's just because you're on a schedule, but make sure you know, and you don't show up with like, you know, seven layer dip to a house that's empty, okay? So um, anyway, just thought of that. Go house churches. All right. But let's jump into the text today because I believe we're going to find something that's, that's really kind of cool. And, and, and uh, you know, I was, I was putting a message together and I wanted to use this text as, as some, hey, what did Peter do as he reached out to people, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he became a witness? I thought, no, 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 I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I just want to slow down and, and see what he says. 
So we're just going to take this slow. So here's the deal. Anybody else, maybe it's because you grew up in the church like me. Maybe it's just because our, our, our imaginations are just kind of interesting things. But anybody else, like when you read Bible stories, for some reason, like everything is kind of in cartoons. I think it was because I learned them when I was a kid. Does anybody else like just totally have a cartoon brain when you're listening? Wow, I just... I guess confess something that makes you think I'm ridiculous because nobody else says, me and Alan, you, you, you know, we grew up in the same Sunday school class, all right? Cartoon, whatever. But okay, maybe it wasn't cartoon, but some, have you ever, the Bible stories miss the reality. You know, he, here's a story of 120 people. There's some details in the story that I want us to, to, to not miss. There's a story of 120 people that are meeting together, and when we touched on this last week, 120 people that are meeting together, the only followers of Jesus like on the planet, Jesus has died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in Jesus' words. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power to be my witnesses everywhere you go around the world. And, and they were waiting, and they were waiting. And it says they, this is how they waited. They prayed constantly, and th- then they prepared for, to be a witness. They prayed constantly, and they prepared themselves to go be a witness. They were waiting for what God was going to do, and they prayed constantly, and they prepared themselves to be a witness. And, and so here's the, this holiday, this Jewish holiday comes on, day of Pentecost, and, and, and they're all together. I would imagine praying because they prayed constantly. So here they are. It says 120 people in a room. Now, it says they're sitting in, in, in this house. Now, I'm, I'm not a historian, and I don't know, but I'm picturing Jerusalem in, in, in this time. And the followers of Jesus were just your everyday type of folk. There, 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 there's some, maybe, more affluent than others, but this house, it can't have been a huge house. Like, it wasn't like the conference room at a, at a Hilton, okay? There's just, just a house, and they're sitting on the floor, and they're sitting in the room, and, and, and this, this, this dawned on me just this week. I'm like, I, I need a context for this. I need to get rid of the cartoon picture and get a real people picture. Uh, I think it was last year we were in Guatemala. We had this opportunity to go to like, like a house church from one of our pastors. And Beth and I went in. It was a really cool opportunity. Beth was speaking. And we went into this house church, and I thought we were a little bit late because we go in, they're already singing some worship songs. And it's a room, it, it certainly was smaller than half the stage. Certainly. Um, yeah. And, and I, I walked in, and there were 35 people and two dogs in the room. And I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people. And we're all crammed in there. And then I thought we were late. I was so wrong. We were early because they kept coming. And they kept coming. By the time we were done, there were 55 people and four dogs in that room, in that little house church. So if you've been to house church, you're like, it's a little cramped in here. That's nothing, okay? But I picture that. And I'm just like, this is probably a little bit more what 120 people in one house sitting around having a prayer service was like. And so I'm picturing that in my head. I don't know what you picture, but that's what I'm picturing. Maybe just a little like double that room. And there's all these people there. And, and, and they're praying. And they actually, get this, they actually believe that what Jesus said was going to happen was going to happen. Man, I wish we had faith like that more, don't you? I need more faith like that. That like actually, that I actually believe that when Jesus says something, it's going to happen. And that's what they that's what they're doing. They were gathering the word, uh, gathering together, and they were praying constantly. And what were they praying for? I don't know exactly, but I have a good idea. 
Because just a few days earlier, Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive power to be a witness. So get ready to tell people about what you've seen and what you've heard. I can only begin to put, fill in the blanks of this story of what the nature of their prayers would have been. God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but Father, but Jesus, send your Holy Spirit. And, and please send it in a way that we know what's, I don't, I don't know, I, don't, I, I want to make sure I, I don't miss it, okay? Let us know. God, let us know. God, send your Holy Spirit, because we want that power, because it's a little bit intimidating right now, because like the, the religious leaders, they kind of hate us. They just executed Jesus, and, and now we're still gathering, and, and, and they're spreading rumors about a stolen body, and like, this is not a good time. Like, I'm supposed to go be a witness, but it's still a little sketchy out there. And the Romans who are in power, like, they just went along with it because they're so afraid of, of, of stuff going down that they're just like rolling over with the Jewish leaders, and, and this is not a good time for us. So, Father, we need the Holy Spirit to give us power, and I don't know what that means yet, but we want to be a witness. I wonder if the prayers look something like that. And they're gathered together, and they're in this room, and, and the Holy Spirit came. It says a sound of wind, which is also cool, interesting, because there probably wasn't any wind at all. Otherwise, it would have said just wind, right? But the sound of wind came. The, Ill, the air is still. The sound's coming. Fire shows up. Boom. Explodes. Floating over people's heads. Probably similar to what Moses experienced as he got the law. And then all of a sudden, people start speaking in all these different crazy languages, okay? That's where we left off. Now, picture this. It says, if you know the end of the story, it says that 3,000 people that day got saved, right? If you know the end of the story, that's, that's what went down. But let's, let's, let's bring it back to the context. Did you ever notice that every time, even like the story that Pastor Grady shared today, every time that there's this large gathering of thousands of people, it's outside of town. Do you know why? Because towns were built 2,000 years ago differently than they're built today. They, they didn't have large city parks, and they didn't have a rail yard where you could just gather with tons of people and watch football games on big screens. Like, they didn't have that. So it would have been this house in town, and windows would have inevitably been open. And this gathering, no big deal, because it was Pentecost. And at Pentecost, all the Jews from all over the world had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate it. So the streets are cram-packed, filled with people coming and going from all over the place, speaking all different languages. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God moves, and all of a sudden, people start speaking in all these different languages. This was phenomenal. And have you ever been, have you ever been somewhere where, where your native language or your primary language is not the original language of the, of the area, like you've traveled outside the country or been to North Walmart after 11? Um, like... I wasn't a dig. Like, seriously, like, it's a multicultural experience. It's really, really fun. I like going to Walmart late at night. Um, but you ever been somewhere where, where English isn't number or your primary language or your, or your original language isn't the main language speaking, and then you hear your language being spoken, and all of a sudden your, your ears are like, oh, ooh, I, I know that. I know, I know what they're saying. So imagine you're walking down the street, it's Pentecost, you're gathered here, you've been traveling for a week or weeks, and you've come, and you're here with your family and your friends, and you're here to celebrate this, this Jewish holiday together, and all of a sudden, it's all great, and all of a sudden you hear the language of the land you just came from. Nobody speaks that language, and it's coming out of that room filled with people. And so you walk over to the window, and you look in the window, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, there's, there's like one person, that one guy in the crowd is speaking your language. And he's just praising God. You're like, what in the world? How does he know that? I gotta meet him. And then a couple other people 
from other places in the world start, start gathering around the window, and they're like, she's speaking mildly, and he, what? And all of a sudden, these, these crowds start forming around the windows, and, and people are peeking their heads in the doors, and, and then people are like, what the, what's going on in here? Like, it looks like a whole bunch of Jewish people, but it sounds like the United Nations. What is happening? And all of a sudden, the streets start to fill. And now there's, there's people in the streets, and, and, and they're starting to like, hey, you catch what's going on? And, and these crowds start to form, and the streets are getting filled, and, and, can't, and all of a sudden, Peter starts catching this idea of what's going on, and Peter's like, whoa, 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 what, 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 oh, there's, there's crowds, what's happening? Okay, well, I, they're all asking what's going on, somebody's got to do something about this, and so Peter's like, ah, okay, so he goes, and he goes in the front door, and he gets up on the front door, he's like, hey, guys, you guys thought I was tall. Now I feel real tall. So, hey, let me just tell you what is happening. I know some of you think we're drunk. Come on. It's nine in the morning, okay? We're not drunk. Let me tell you what is taking place. And this is what he said. He said, what you're experiencing right now, what you're witnessing right now is the fulfillment of prophecy that most of us as good Jews have, have read a hundred times, and many of us have memorized. He said, what we've been waiting for for generations is here. And this is the start of a new era of human history. And he said, listen to the scripture. And he begins to explain from Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And I'm sure he's got their attention now. The crowds grow quiet, and they're listening to, listen, the explanation of what is happening inside. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Peter gets up and begins to explain it, but he continues. He's saying, this is what you witnessed. Now let me tell you the ramifications of it. He said, I am a witness of this Jesus. He says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, let me tell you about this, the one, the name of the Lord. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified was the Son of God. And he goes on, because these are Jewish people, he goes on to use the, the, the Old Testament to explain and, and connect the dots between Jesus and the fulfillment of these prophecies as Jesus is the Messiah. And so he begins to talk, talk them through their, their scripture, which they would have been very, very familiar with. And when he was done, he said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, verse 37, what, what do we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all who call, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So here's the interesting part. How did a house in the city with people standing at the windows turn into 3,000 believers by the end of the day? Answer, I don't know. But we can speculate. It wasn't one big crowd and Peter was shouting because that would have just been logistically nearly impossible. But he begins, but God's spirit is poured out. He explains it. They buy in. And it says they were baptized. Well, it wasn't in the bathtub. So there's a parade now, 120 people plus whoever can fit in the street exiting the city. I can only imagine what this would have been like. As they're beginning, the crowd is even beginning. Hey, the Messiah has come. Hey, listen, the, the, the Spirit of God is being poured out. Listen, Joel chapter 2 is being fulfilled. Hey, come on out. And all of a sudden, this crowd begins to form. And it said, everybody who believes in the message, I believe Peter was preaching all day long. It says, as many as believed in his message, with many other words. I believe they were out in the, in the river tag-teaming baptisms out there. All right, you guys take over there. I'll take over here. You guys start getting these guys baptized. Hey, make sure we tell people that the Spirit of God has been poured out for today and that Jesus is ushering in a new era of new covenant of followers of Jesus. This is what took place. End of the day, 3,000 people are now following Jesus. And here's the, the cool part. Man, God is in the details, isn't he? Have you noticed that? It's the day of Pentecost, which meant people from all over the known world were there. And of those 3,000, you think they all lived in Jerusalem? Doubt it. So then at the end of the holiday, boom. In one moment, the Spirit of God is poured out. The Word of God is declared. And the known world is evangelized in a day. Now, we know the rest of the book of Acts is the slow expansion and the steady uh, growth of the church across the known world. But that day, God did something supernatural. I, I want to I go back to Peter's sermon a little bit. I, I want to make sure we get the picture of what just took place. But I want to go back to Peter's sermon a little bit here. Because I think it's really significant. I, think, I know it's really significant. I want you to know a couple, notice a couple things here. First it says, in the last days. How many times have you heard in the last few years, man, we're living in the last days, aren't we? How many? A hundred? Man, we're living in the last days. Duh. Uh, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Okay, now... I know, but we're in the, the last of the last days, and maybe so. But we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Here's what's interesting. There's a time frame that's actually given in the prophecy in Joel chapter 2 that talks about the era of time that we're in right now. He says, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. Peter is saying this prophecy is being fulfilled today. So when did the last days start? Acts 2, right? 
When do the last days end? Well, according to verse 20, before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord. We are living in the last age of human history. And again, we have been for 2,000 years. But we're in the last age of human history, which also makes this interesting. Jesus didn't say, as I'm getting ready to kick off this new era, I'm going to start out by giving, pouring out my spirit on a few people who are influential and in getting things started. He didn't say that, did he? He said, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And I'll be honest, I don't think the, the apostles, I don't think the, the 12, I don't think they fully understood this at first, which is why I think they got another guy. Remember? There's, a lot, there's 12, and then Jesus killed himself, and then Jesus said, wait, and they were waiting, and, and they prayed constantly, and they're preparing part of the preparations. Like, Jesus said we're going to be witnesses, and he picked 12. We better go recruit one more guy. <laughs> and, and then the spirit breaks out, and, and Peter, God brings to Peter's mind, I believe that, that Peter probably didn't see this before this took place. God brought Joel 2 to Peter's mind when he saw what was taking place. And he said, no, 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 no. He's not pouring out his spirit on all 12. He said, I'm pouring out my spirit on all people. See, what they thought was inclusive, Joel, hundreds of years prior, was blowing the doors off this thing. It used to be just the priests. And he said, not anymore. It used to be just the prophets would speak for God. This is what's interesting. And, and so here's what I, I want to linger here for just a minute because I think there's some confusion a little bit, I think, in, in some of what Joel says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. <laughs> we all have different translations. All right, mine says all people. <laughs> then what does he say? He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young people, this is not your parents' religion. Young people, this is, this is, not, this is not just some activity that we do on Sunday mornings. Regardless of your age, God says, this is the Bible, God says he's going to pour out his spirit on, on young people and they will prophesy. That's intimidating, right? Because like there's a whole section of the Bible called the prophets. They were prophesying. Do I have to do that too? We'll get there in a minute. Sons and daughters. You know, it, it's so easy, this whole ageism thing, Right? Old people think young people are ignorant. Young people think old people are ignorant. I said, no, no, no. The Spirit of God is no respecter of persons. I'm going to pour out my Spirit, and your children are going to prophesy. And he goes on. He says, uh, your young men will see visions. And, and, and let me just, I believe from context, I can take this liberty. Uh, here it says sons and daughters. In the later part, it says men and women. I believe when he says young men, young men can I say young adults? Y young women, young men, young adults. Listen, God is going to give you visions. God is going to give you a vision. 
And when Paul, I, I can recall when Paul was, was speaking to and writing to Timothy, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example in the way that you live, in the way that you lead. Can, can I just tell you, young adults, if God has given you a vision, run with it. If God has given you a vision, don't be afraid to take steps and lead forward in the direction that God is calling you to. Do not sit idly by because God has put something in your heart and it's from him. Listen to it and follow what God is speaking to you. He doesn't, he doesn't speak through the one on stage alone anymore. He speaks to each and every one of us as his children. Next, he says, old men will dream dreams. All right, old men. <clears throat> if it applies, that's not a dig on anybody's age. This is biblical language here, okay? If it applies, receive it. Old men, old women. <laughs> uh, they weren't worried about offending people back then, I guess. We can just call them old. <laughs> Actually, I had this thought the other day. Old people think like 45-year-olds are young. And so here's, here's my, my latest theory on whether or not you're old. If you can't remember, so basically what I'm saying is 45-year-olds, let's call it like it is. They're over, you're halfway there-ish, okay? If you can't, and if 45-year-olds if, if get called young, I think the definition of an old person is if you can't remember the last time somebody called you Young. All right. So for those of you who don't remember the last time someone called you young, you should listen up now. Old men, old women, seniors, exper those experienced in life. But seriously, though, listen, this is your dream dreams. There are some of you in this room right now that decades ago, God gave you, put a dream in your heart. And I'm not talking about like the dreams to own a speedboat and a house on the lake. But he's put a dream in your heart that you gave up on because the decades just felt too long. Can I remember, the, can you remember the father of the people of Israel? Do you remember how the story started? With an old man that God gave a dream. And it wasn't until he was 100 till he saw it fulfilled. So if you're not 100 yet, it may just be that God is not, the fullness of time for your dream to be realized has not yet come. Hold on to the dreams that God has given you. Because today, we're living in the, the last days. And, G, and Jesus said, Peter quoted Joel, I will pour out my spirit. And if God, the spirit of God, has put a dream in your heart, hold on to it and do something with it. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. Wait well, pray and prepare, but believe in faith that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And that's just, that's just old dreams. See, those are dreams that you had when you were young. Maybe that was actually the visions of the young men. Listen, he said, old men will still dream dreams. Would you lean into the voice of God? Would you listen closely? Maybe that's actual dreams when you fall asleep at night 
Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've had this. And you wake up and you have a vivid picture of something and a meaning that you could not even make up on your own just comes to your mind and you know this is something from God. Sometimes these dream dreams may not be the natural, physical ones like that, but God puts a dream in your heart. There is no age where you time out on the hand of God moving in your life. Old men, old women, I mean that with the dearest respect, keep dreaming. Even on my servants, both men and women. I love this. The Bible is blowing classism like out of the water. You're rich? Cool. Dream dreams and see visions. You're poor? Awesome. Prophesy. God is no respecter of persons. Black, white, brown, rich, poor, young, old. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Can I just, can you just consider for a minute? What would happen if we believed that what Jesus said was going to happen is actually going to happen in the same way that the first hearers of those words believed it? This wasn't rhetorical preacher talk. It was Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, there's going to be power released in your life so that you can be a witness to the things you've seen me do in your life. What if we today, still living in the last times, said, yeah, I received that. Yeah, I'll wait for that. And it ends here and it says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I want to clear a little bit of confusion on the prophesy thing. Some of the, some of the sons and daughters were going like, I don't know what that means and it sounds creepy. Some of our old men and women are saying, I don't know what that means and I have had weird experiences, Okay. Or maybe you just heard weird things. Listen, prophecy is not as creepy as it sounds. Okay, I'm going to sum it up in a completely oversimplified way, but I think it, it's, it's, it's good enough for us um, and broad enough that it'll work. I believe prophecy is honestly hearing from God and declaring what he says. Right? It doesn't... I realize, again, I love our vast church background that we have as a part of Crossroads. I know there's probably some had weird experiences with prophecy or some been told that prophecy is, is gone and, and I'm, I'm sure all of everything in between. I, I just want to be like, I want to be the kind of Christian and Jesus follower that says like, when Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to come, you're going to have power to be a witness. And then it happens. And then Peter gets up and says, we're living in the last times. This should be expected. And this is what happened. And sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men are going to have visions. In other words, they're going to hear from God. They're going to see from God. And then I would hope then they would carry that out and declare it. 
Old men are going to have dreams that they would see things, that they would hear things from God, and that they would walk in those and carry those out to fruition. That, that all people, men and women, rich and poor, they're going to they're hear from God, and they're, de- they're going to declare it. Here's what's interesting. Time and time again, is we're going to continue in, in Acts, and people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of things are, are common, but not everything is the same. We never see this exact occurrence take place exactly like this. A lot of times it says they spoke in tongues, uh, but almost all the time it says they prophesied. Almost all the time. So, so here's one of the interesting things, is that, that what did it say? Those who heard the, the, all the languages spoke, what did they say that they were saying? They were declaring the wonders of God. They were hearing from God, and they were declaring it. They were hearing from God, and they were declaring it. What if, what if like prophecy today looked a little bit less. I know there's some people who are like, I've got a prophetic gift, and I know people who, who I mean, Pastor Phil, he walks in the prophetic. Like, it, like he, he's got this, this, this spiritual gift on him. He's not weird, though. He's cool. <clears throat> what if it didn't have to be the same as it was in the Old Testament? Here, I want to just challenge us. In the Old Testament, prophecy looked a lot of different things. In the New Testament, there's a consistent pattern that we see in this gift of prophecy. And so I want to talk just, just, just a little bit about this to maybe, maybe address some of the thoughts that we've had. You know, if your idea of prophesy means I, I've got a word from God and I need to get up and, and I need to declare it to everybody who's present, like that, maybe God does that sometimes, but, but, but prophet, like a lot of people were prophesying at the same time, which means they're declaring the wonders of God, which means they're lifting up Jesus Christ and declaring his wonders. And oftentimes it happens through the edification of a specific individual or a group of individuals. Um, I think it's interesting, uh, Pastor Grady used 1 Corinthians or Corinthians to talk about real messed up church. And they were. One of the things that he referenced was this idea that, that the, the spiritual gifts, they, they thought tongues was super cool. And so like, like everybody's trying to speak in tongues and wanted that gift. And, and they like propped up those who like spoke in tongues. It was super cool. And, and, and Paul was bringing correction. To that. He wasn't saying it's bad. He was just like, this is, this is abused. This is overused. He said, you know what's better? Prophecy. Because people can understand it. Also, side note, it does imply that tongues oftentimes does not have an interpretation, but that's neither here nor there. What I want to talk about is this prophecy. This, this happened over and over, the, the hearing from God and declaring it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Doesn't that sound nice? And, and I think it's interesting, this word prophecy, because we, we, we've, a lot of people have associated it with a lot of odd different things. It'd be interesting if I could see the mental picture in everybody's head, like if we could like project it. When, when I say the word prophecy, <laughs> what comes to mind in everybody's head? It'd just be an interesting little like collage, wouldn't it? So I'm sure it's very varied. Um, but here, here's what, what Paul said it's about. Prophecy is hearing from God and then declaring it. And he said, when it happens, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the strengthening, for the encouraging, and for the comforting. New Testament prophecy often looks very, very different than Old Testament prophecy. Most of the Old Testament prophecy was like doom and gloom, gloom repent, or else. Now, I, I believe that the word that God can work through that too, because later on in, in 14, or uh, verse 
24 says that like if there's an unbeliever that's around and somebody starts prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. That seems intimidating, but it says, but as their secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What he's saying is this, is like the gift of prophecy, how it works is it's for the edification, the strengthening, the building up of the church. But when God speaks and then we declare it, this is what happens sometimes. It's not always this way. This is what happens sometimes. God will give you something and, and, and maybe even the words that God gives you seem vague, but then you speak it to somebody and it speaks into a specific situation in their life that you know nothing about and you still don't even after you said it. And you know what happens? Something some, like it, it, there's, there's a God thing there that takes place and there's the encouragement and the strengthening up. It, it doesn't have to be freaky. It doesn't have to be weird. But it ought to be expected because Jesus said to expect it. Because hundreds of years before Jesus, Joel, the prophet, said to expect it. He said this was going to happen. For those who live in the last days, which is us, we can expect that God is going to pour out his spirit on, on, on Jesus' followers. And when we do, God is going to speak to men and women, boys and girls, children young and old. He's going to speak to us. And our responsibility now is to declare it. I started out by saying like, there's so often we get in this like really, really simple church rhythm believe, I believe the right things and behave, I'm a good boy and then I belong and I have good friends. What about the adventure that the Holy Spirit wants to take you on? You see, from the, the, the believe, belong and, uh, and behave mentality, it's, it's all about me. Like, how do I get what I need in my relationship with Jesus? And what if, what if we actually believe that what Jesus said is true, that he didn't just want to recruit followers, he wanted to recruit witnesses. There's a really, really cool quote. I, I believe, Pastor Grady would, could correct me probably, it's from St. Francis of Assisi when he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. I think it's really cool. And it's also a really commonly used cop-out for us to stay quiet. Somebody who's witnessed, not like in the Christian sense, but in the like judicial sense. If you've witnessed something and you are called to the stand and you have really good character and you're really nice to people and you're kind and you love and you serve them well and you sit there and you have no words to declare what you've seen and heard, you're a lousy witness. You're reliable and trustworthy. You just haven't said anything yet. Could it be that Jesus is calling us not just to come and just, I want to belong and feel like I'm in this wonderful family. Don't get me wrong. This is going to be like my sermon next week, okay? But it's not just about that. I just want to make sure I love Jesus and have good friends. Me too. But Jesus just wants to make sure you have more friends who are going to heaven too. So here's where I think these two things collide because it, it keeps coming up. These two sides of this, Jesus said, you're gonna, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit, but it's all about being a witness. Joel said hundreds of years later, I'm gonna pour out my spirit and these gifts of the spirit are going to come out. And, and then what is the last thing that, that Peter quotes? And everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. 
there's a connection. Because evangelism, being a witness, is just being a prophetic voice to the unbelieving. But here's the problem. We have no practice hearing from God and declaring it in a safe place called the body of Christ. And we expect to go do it to people who we think may be antagonistic towards it. Let's start here. Let's be encouragers of the body. I'm curious. I'll see if I can get a little bit of participation. You guys going to participate with me for just one minute? All right. How many of you have ever sensed God speak to your heart and you sensed like you were supposed to say something to a specific person, maybe even in a specific time, but you, you wrestled with it so much, whether it was fear, whether it was doubt, whether it was uncertainty, and you never said what you felt like God put on your heart to say. How many of you have had that experience before? Okay. What if we just said, guys, never again. Here's the problem. This, like we live in a world that's like all about me. It's, it's all about like, you do you. We all have our own truths. Who am I to question, challenge you, right? And so this concept in this society is hard because it goes against everything that the world is entrenching in us. But what if this, what if we had, listen, we have to have grace to receive a word and it's usually for strengthening, so it's okay encouragement, so it should be okay. What if we have grace to receive a word and grace to give one? What if we had grace to make errors? Okay. As a coach, I've coached a, a little bit of sports here and there. As a coach, I would always rather a player make an aggressive mistake than a passive mistake, right? If I'm coaching volleyball, I would rather, I hope nobody gets hurt, but I would rather two players run into each other going for the same ball than two players looking at each other watching it hit the ground. Maybe this is too fresh. If I'm, if I'm a football player or football coach, I would rather see a, a player overextend and miss a tackle than be back on his heels and never touch the guy. If I'm, on, if I'm a basketball coach, I would rather somebody uh, take an offensive charge driving to the basket than pass up an open lane. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? What if instead of holding on to the word that God has spoken to our hearts, what if we just said, that's it. Church family, Crossroads Church, we're gonna be the type of people that when we hear from God, we're gonna say what we, what we hear. And that doesn't mean, hey, can I have the microphone? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not, though. Usually what it means is go talk to the person that you feel like you have a word for. And say, you know what? And, and let me just coach you in this. I, I, I feel like God may have given me a word. For, like, receive it if this applies. But if not, just write me off. That's fine. I don't care. But this is what I feel like God's speaking to me, and I don't even understand it. Maybe sometimes it's just one word. I just feel like God wants you to know. Well, let's be a people who walk in the gifts that God has given because what's gonna happen as we begin to practice hearing from God and declaring it within a safe place called the body of Christ, the family of God, God is going to move in us and stir in us the spirit of God and empower us to do the same thing to the unbelieving world that we live in. The spirit of God is being poured out in the last days. We are living in those last days. 
It's no longer just about going through the routines, figuring out what life is supposed to look like. He has poured out his spirit for two reasons, to build up his church and to build his church, to edify his church and to expand his church. Let's be people who learn how to hear from God and declare it in the church and outside of it. Because who knows? I mean, what would have happened if Peter never would have got up on that chair outside that door and began to declare what God had spoken to his heart? Who knows what's going to happen when you follow the dream, old man? Who knows what's going to happen when you speak out, sons and daughters? God's up to change in lives, and he wants to use us to accomplish it. Amen? Father God, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God who orchestrates all things. You are a God of order and a God of grace. So Father, may we walk in your spirit as you pour out your spirit on us. Father, may we even wait in prayer and preparation, God, knowing you're going to speak, you're going to move through us. God, God, may we experience a move of you that is so authentic. God, we don't need gimmicks. We don't need any gimmicks. We just want authenticity. We want something real. We want the Spirit of God moving through us. God, tune our ears to your voice so that when we hear, we are obedient to declare. Father, you're at work and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.